We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. This thing on. See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bill's Podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger, and it is insanity. It's crazy that we're expected to move on from basking in the glory of that amazing Sunday Night Football win so quickly. I mean, I almost kind of wish the bye week was this week so that we could just keep partying and soaking in the glory. The, 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 the just, the, 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 I don't even know what to call it. I've run out of adjectives at this point. Just knowing that your team might be one of the best in the NFL while simultaneously rolling around in the pessimism and despair coming out of Kansas City like a dog that found something awful on its walk. I mean, we all do that, right? We wallow in the misery of others. It it can't just be me, right? (laughs) No, Bill's Mafia, unfortunately, the schedule moves on. And so do we. And this is our Week 6 preview, Buffalo Bills against the Tennessee Titans. The time... 8.15 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard. Place, Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. The weather, and let's be real, after Sunday, I'll never believe weather will play a factor in any Bills game, ever. So it doesn't matter. The line is, the Bills are favored by three and a half. I like it. The crew is Cleet Blakeman. Now, <laughs> Cleet Blakeman. 
Is he's, he new? No. His no, name, his he's name a veteran. He's been around for a very long his time. His name doesn't ring a bell for me. He's not quite as, you know, let him play as Bill Vinovich. I mean, there's a reason Bill Vinovich gets all the big games, and it's because he likes to stick his hands in his pockets and just let teams play. But he's certainly better than Carl Cliff Burton Sheffers. On the call, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, Brian Grease, and Lisa Salters. Is it is it selfish of me to say this, Chris, but I'm happy Lewis Riddick didn't get a GM job this offseason during the hiring cycle, even though he interviewed. Because he's in my top tier of broadcasters for football. Like, he does a very good job of explaining what's going on. You know, you'll hear some, you know, sometimes his co-hosts will make in a name point or just a throwaway statement about the types of stuff that drive guys like you and me crazy. When you just hear somebody make a throwaway statement about a given play and he'll just pipe in with like an actual nuanced like, hey, that play wasn't actually a bad one. Or, well, this is probably why that happened, because this defender over here was thinking X. He brings a dynamic to the booth that I think they've been lacking for a long time. I mean, they didn't have it when they had Booger and the, what the Booger Mobile and who was in the booth for that nonsense. I forgot Joe Test. I think Joe Tessitore, Joe Tessitore did the play-by-play, and then uh, uh, Jason Witten. Oh, Jesus. Jason, he was that's, awful. That's stiff. He was. I, if if they were having it this week, I would watch the Manning cast mm-hmm. over the normal broadcast because the Manning cast is just so entertaining. I would mute the TV. And put the Manning cast on simulcast style with the Bills game. But so I don't know. I'm just I'm happy to have this crew. It's kind of like using mouthwash at the end of the night after a long day of breathing in Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what this game is. Injuries to watch. For Buffalo, according to Banged Up Bills, who if you're not following Dr. Kyle Trimble, you need to be. There were zero injuries during the Kansas City game on Sunday. How crazy is that? Like, we talk all the time. We've talked about it on our AFC's roundup with the, our Jets, uh, Jets compadre, Scott Mason, about how the Buffalo Bills fired their training conditioning staff and got new team doctors and got new everything when, they, when McDermott showed up, and their team health has never been better. Never. Well, they did build that. Facility. They also built a multi-million dollar health-related facility. But when you look at some of these other franchises... Did like, Tennessee have 21 players on the injury list last week? We're going to get to that in a second. But when you look at the Buffalo Bills, zero injuries in a primetime game like that, with the Bills playing the way that they played... I mean, at this point, going into this game, that means whatever we have going on, it'll just be a continuation of last week's kind of nagging ailments which didn't seem to slow the team down much. I mean, I'm looking at linebacker Matt Milano is probably the big name with his hamstring injury. Uh, A.J. Epinesa with a foot injury. You know, you saw guys who ramped up to full participation by the end of the week. Um, Did A.J. get hurt in the Chiefs game? No. That's been a lingering thing? Just a lingering thing. Happened during practice. I think he'll be fine. I would have thought he had an injured Sunday night against the Chiefs. He kind of twisted it while he put his foot up a lineman's ass because he just <laughs> ran all over him. <laughs> Hilarious. I love you. <laughs> Tennessee. The Titans are in this wild spot because Chris alluded to, they went into last week with 23 players appearing on their injury report. 
including six starters and more than five players drawing the questionable tag. The biggest of those, wide receiver Julio Jones missed last week with a hamstring. Uh, wide receiver Casey McMath with a quad injury. Left tackle Taylor Lewan is still fighting a toe injury. Andre Brewer, he's got a knee injury, and I believe he went to the IR, along with linebacker Jan Brown, who used to be one of their best until he dislocated an elbow and just really beat himself up playing football. Tommy Hudson and Brett Kern. Now, the, you know who else is on their injury report? Who? The um, the guy that took the uh, open door dump at Vrabel's during the draft <laughs> is on there with constipation. I love that you just have so much shade and Freud for Tennessee. The big names for Tennessee are going to be their punter and Julio. Although any aggravation to the minor injuries that drew those questionable tags last week will certainly bear watching. When we get into this game, I I want to launch into this thing first because I don't even... I'm going to save it. Nope. Don't do it now, Drew. It's going to do rally. We're just going to... Goose Robo. See, you folks think it's just something that we do or that it's a shtick of the show. It's something I legitimately do when I need to rein myself in because I am about. I was about to come off the rails talking about this game and what it kind of does to me personally. We don't have a guest for tonight. And I'm for reasons I'm going to explain at the end of the show. But our offensive preview, it starts and the offense starts and ends with King Henry. I mean, it's incredible to think that when I watched Alabama win a national title on the back of Derrick Henry... I genuinely thought that, like every other Alabama running back that came before him, you know, Sean, ever since Sean Alexander, I'm thinking Eddie Lacy, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Glenn Coffey, that he was destined to be just this flash in the pan talent at the NFL level. I mean, Chris, you can't argue with the, the history of running backs that come out of Alabama and make it to the NFL. Yeah. Look at Josh Jacobs right now. That might be the the one position at Alabama that they get right in the NFL is their running backs. Yeah, and yet at the same time, those running backs make the NFL, and more often than not, they burn out so quickly because they've had the tread worn off of them. Instead, Derrick Henry has become one of the most dominant and consistent forces in recent NFL history, and it's incredible to watch. If you're a guy who likes line play like I do, I mean, even if it does come at the expense of our own team sometimes... The memes that came out of the last matchup, I have no doubt in my mind Josh Norman has at least one dickhead relative. And I mean, let's face it, we all kind of have that guy in our family tree that texts him memes from last season's game of him just getting helmet tossed out of the way like a child. Like like a child trying to stand between me and free beer. Mm-hmm. Just text him those memes when they're not getting along or when they're having an argument. Henry is the only player on their roster with more than 50 rush yards. So clearly he's the straw that stirs the drink. And he's gotten off to one of the most incredible starts in NFL history. He's got over 600 rushing yards through five games. I want you to let that sink in for a second. He posted the fifth best rushing season in NFL history last year. And he's on pace to now blow that out of the water And that's not even taking into account the additional 17th game. Chris, this guy might be one of the best running backs we see in the modern era of football. And I don't think I'm being, I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think I'm being glib when I say that. It's like OJ 2.0 without the murders. (laughs) He just murders people with stiff arms. 
I think what's even more impressive is that he's doing it with almost as many yards after contact as he has yards before contact. That's ridiculous. Nobody should be able to do that. Like, hey, I'm going to run for 600 yards. 300 of it's going to come after you touch me. How, if you're a defensive player going into that matchup, isn't that a little like almost like self-defeating? Like before you even touch the guy, you're like, oh, he's he's probably going to knock me down. Yeah, it's going to like turn out like remember like when you were a kid and you would just grab your dad's ankles and he just keeps walking. Yeah, it's going to be like that on Sunday. Well, and this is it. He's like that dynamic. It underscores that he's got speed to get to open space quickly and enough force to get away from contact unless you really bring a set with you. One of the more interesting wrinkles in this, though, is when you look at all that production and to a certain degree, the performance of the offensive line in certain spots, it's skewed in some really interesting ways. His yardage when running off the ends, right, which is off the left or right tight end shoulder makes up more than 45% of his yards. And that makes sense because in those formations, you're essentially forcing teams into their base defenses with bigger, slower players. And there are fewer guys capable of getting to the boundary to tackle you near the line of scrimmage. When you go into a nickel formation, you're putting if you're, if you're playing the Buffalo Bills and you run out of the nickel, you know that you've now taken away an angle that a guy like a Matt Milano or a Trey Edmonds, how quickly did they close the line of scrimmage? Pretty good. Yeah. We saw it on display with Tremaine on Sunday against the Chiefs. So <laughs> in that way, you're actually hurting yourself by spreading your offense out against teams with athletic linebackers. So what the Titans have done is they've sucked in their offensive formation and they roll heavy. Because if Henry can get to the edge fast enough, your bigger, heavier, stouter run defenders simply can't get their hands on him. And he gets better matchups on the outside where there's players who are much smaller that he can kind of bully on his way to extra yardage. I think it's also telling that they're in the upper echelon of the league in terms of playing 12 personnel. I mean, their tight ends, Michael Pruitt and Jeff Swaim, are playing more than 40% of their offensive snaps. You would think that they were being treated like wide receivers, but they don't have the targets to show it, which means that this truly does run through Henry, and Henry gets more looks at that group of weaker, you know, bigger, heavier, slower players in the middle of the field than a lot of other running backs in the NFL, considering how, like, you look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs never... Unless it's a short yardage situation, never really brought in two tight ends on Sunday, did they? I don't think so. No. Most teams won't go heavy formation unless it's a short yard play. The Titans live in that space. It's clearly an advantage for their team because they're able to dictate play to a defense in a way that a lot of other teams simply can't. But when you look at the rushing elsewhere across the line, the numbers are brutal. Going into week five, he was averaging just 1.9 yards per attempt when he tried to run behind the left tackle. And if he tried to run behind the right guard and right tackle, the combination hasn't worked. He has 75 yards total for the season and a 3.4 yards per attempt average. So it's clear that while he's still running the way we expect him to, there are problems in terms of their ability to run block out of a lot of these formations, which to me means that their offense could become a little bit predictable for a savvy defensive coordinator, which... I think if we've learned anything at this point, Leslie Frazier knows what the fuck he's doing. They just need to find a way to slow him down once they figure it out. 
Now, this is a game to me, that dynamic about the, about the personnel usage and the packages, Chris. I think, to me, it plays a role in what the team decides to do this week with Matt Milano. I mean, Milano's a stud run defender. Yeah, he, he was out again. Was he out against them last year? I don't we know. Did, we he did, might have been out for that game, too. Because we did play them after the Chiefs, just like we are this year. And I know he didn't play against the Chiefs last year. He might have been missing for that game. Call too. in if you know. He's a stud run defender as well as a coverage entity. But this game, the odds are pretty good that the team is going to be playing a considerable amount of base defense. If that's the case, and with a bye week on the horizon, I can see a world where the Buffalo Bills decide that, listen, we're just going to give you one more week. We're going to pro- we thought last week we might need you. This week, we know we're not going to need your coverage abilities. Or we'll get into that in a second. We don't think we're going to need your coverage abilities as much. We think that we want you 100% when we put you back on the field. And they could decide to promote a Dodson or an Andre Smith Jr. to see more start, significant snaps. And employ kind of a Saran Neal, Dodson, Klein rotation. Kind of what they did against Kansas City to try to play it safe with them. Wouldn't that make sense for a team that thinks they can accomplish what we think we can right now? Yeah. So when you look at the passing attack, you say, okay, so if you do decide to sit Milano, wouldn't that leave us vulnerable? Typically, you'd think that when the run game is churning out yardage the way the Titans are, the team's passing attack should flourish. It should be huge. They should be, especially, first of all, teams are less apt to play dime packages or nickel packages because they're afraid they're going to get run over, that their smaller coverage players are going to get bullied. And yet, that hasn't been the case for the Titans. Because even though they've been getting teams to play more base defense, the result is they've been held under 200-yard passing twice this season. And that was before A.J. Brown and Julio Jones got hit with injuries. Now, we said in the offseason on a few occasions when we were talking about the makeup of the AFC Conference that a team like theirs, losing so many of their top targets, three of their top five pass catchers from last season— in just one off-season free agency cycle, their new offense might take a little bit of time to matriculate. And the evidence speaks to that. I mean, the Bills have four players with double-digit first downs receiving. The Titans have one. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones have less than 50 yards after the catch. They have six players on offense with an average depth of target of more than 10 yards downfield, which, when you see that at first glance, it's typically indicative of a deep passing attack off play action. I mean, we know they've done that to... They did it to us just a year ago. And yet, of, of those players, Julio Jones is the only one who has more than 100 yards receiving, which indicates that that facet of their game has not materialized. You'd think it's odd, right? You'd think that with all the respect people are paying to Derrick Henry, passing the ball should be fucking easy in the intermediate areas of the field because the linebacker's eyes have one place to go. And yet, Tannehill's passing numbers are kind of a shit show. And look at this. From 10 to 20 yards downfield, Ryan Tannehill is 22 of 36 for 61%. 336 yards and one touchdown, one interception. Beyond 20 yards downfield. Going into this weekend's game, he was 3 of 18, good for 16% for 
115 total yards and zero touchdowns. You get an F minus in my book. That's that's ugly. That's horrific. How much of this is Arthur Smith? Well, so one would ask, how the hell does something like this happen? That he has fewer yards passing beyond 10 yards than Josh Allen has passing 10 yards in a single game this past weekend. Well, during their interviews, they talked about it this past week. Coming out of week five, here's some quotes. There are three processes to a passing game, head coach Mike Vrabel said. It's about getting open, recognizing man in zone, running the correct route. It's about protection holding up, and it's about the quarterback getting rid of the football and getting it to someone quickly. Chris, is that not one of the most, like, if I asked you how to make bread, and I was like, hey, how do you make your bread so good? And you looked at me and said, well, I put some ingredients in a bowl, and I, I follow the instructions, and I mix it the right amount of length of time that they tell me to. It's like, that's one of the most, you didn't say anything. You didn't answer the damn question. It should be, how do I make cocktail ice? Well, it's yes. just it's just water, it's one ingredient. That's all it is. I don't watch it freeze. It's it's infuriating when you hear them talk about it, and this is how I know they're in trouble. Later, while talking to the in the aftermath of the loss to the Jets and about how they took seven sacks and how their passing attack never really matriculated, Tannehill says every group has a role in that. There were certainly plays that could have helped. There were plays the O-line could have helped. There were plays that the receivers could have helped. Wait, so if nobody's to blame, does that mean everyone's to blame? I feel like that's correct. Yeah. That's the story of this Tennessee Titans team in 2021. Everyone failing to come together cohesively. And it's a symptom of the bigger overall problem for the Titans this year. This offseason, they lost two of their top three targets. Corey Davis and John Smith, who joined our AFC East via free agency. And in total, they lost just not three of their top five players in terms of targets. They have multiple new offensive linemen that are still trying to figure out how to come together. And more importantly, they lost their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, to the Atlanta Falcons. That is an absurd lack of continuity for an offense to undergo in one offseason cycle. And in that way, it was Probably always a little bit foolish for anyone to think that this team would come out and just hit the ground running on any kind of championship run without any kind of hiccups. I mean, the fact that they're 3-2 and two and have all of these offensive problems, that bodes almost well for them, doesn't it? Yeah. Meanwhile, this offense outside of Derrick Henry is playing like one that's still trying to figure out who's responsible for what and how to be what it's trying to be schematically while still taking into account the various levels of talent they have. Catching a team like this at this point in time, I don't know. Like, they're gelling. They're winning football games. They're 3-2. and two, they, They're above 500. It's not like they're slouches. And yet, <sighs> there's just, they're lacking a lot of, they're very one-dimensional at this point. And then we talked about how little push their offensive line was getting. Their protection numbers have sucked, too. I mean, Taylor Lewan in his first start gave up four sacks to Chandler Jones, where he took to Twitter and I think well, what do they call that? A self own what do the kids call that these days? A self own? Where he tweeted out, he's like, Oh, you know, I'm glad Chandler Jones exposed me today because it's gonna push me to get better. Nah, you should just retire. No, will, will it? 
That's like being like, hey, I'm glad that my boss came into work today and wrote me up for being shit at my job because it'll help me grow as a person. Yeah, it still doesn't change the fact that you sucked. <laughs> it doesn't just erase that. But you can't blame him all, blame it all on him because everyone else has been pretty brutal too. The entire right side of their offensive line is in the pro football focus top 50 for pressures allowed. Their starters have given up an absurd number of sacks. He's one of the more sacked quarterbacks in football. And I think a part of that stems from this concept that, like he said, in the wake of that Jets game where he got sacked seven times, he's banking on the offensive line knowing what they're doing and his his pass catcher's getting open. When that doesn't happen, he doesn't know. And the, the, the joke's on him. You're supposed to get rid of the damn football. Find a better way. Work with your offensive coordinator f- to figure out a, a better way to distribute the football instead of you just standing there waiting to get kicked in the head because nobody else is doing their job properly. And yet, here we are. Are you finally ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. The excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. Get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on the action with your favorite teams and players from the NFL, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Right now at WinBet, you can find great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just... there's. There's Derrick Henry and not a lot else to like about this offense. And on the defensive side of the ball, there there are problems too. It's not rosy. They have nice pieces to work with. They've got defensive end Danico Autry, who's a player I liked in free agency for Buffalo. Uh, Bud Dupree, former Pittsburgh pass rusher, drafted in the first round. They've got Harold Landry, a linebacker, who leads the team with four and a half sacks because they blitz him at a ridiculous pace. Kevin Byard used to be talked about as an upper echelon safety in the NFL. Jeffrey Simmons, a defensive tackle, who's nasty. You know, he, he's, he was a game wrecker in that uh, the game that they beat the Ravens at home. Do you remember that two years ago? Yeah. Okay. 
Janoris Jenkins, one of the NFL's more widely known cover men. Even though he's a little long in the tooth, he's still useful. But none of that matters because they're playing poorly in some really key categories. They're 21st in passing yards allowed per game. They're just 17th in sacks. I mean, Buffalo's fifth by comparison. They're 24th in points allowed per game, which is skewed by playing Arizona and Seattle, two high-powered passing offenses. But also, they let the Jets, who can't score, they're the team that's responsible for making Zach Wilson look like he has his shit together. I mean, if you listen to our AFC's Roundup podcast, you'd hear it straight from the horse's mouth with Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. But in that game, that they were the team responsible for making Zach Wilson look like he knows what the hell he's doing. And they, you think about this. Every team. I mean, the Jets scored 27, and if not for a pair of drops, Jacksonville doesn't get held under 20, and that would be their first time doing it all year, holding a team under 20 points. That doesn't sound like a defense that has its house in order, does it? No, I don't think that's going to happen uh, on Monday night. They don't get turnovers. They're 26th in the NFL. And the worst part, especially coming into a game like this against Buffalo, they have this penchant for explosive plays down the field. I mean, the Jets' stagnant passing attack got loose from three passes of more than 30 yards, two of more than 50 with a touchdown. The Cardinals had three completions of over 30 yards and a touchdown. The Seahawks had two passes of more than 63 yards, both for touchdowns. In fact, Tyler Lockett had not one, but two. He had a 63-yard touchdown catch and a 51-yard reception and a 178-yard day. The answer is to all of this. I mean, their DBs, specifically their cornerbacks, haven't played with any kind of physicality. And instead, they get caught playing off the ball a lot. And I don't know whose idea this is. I don't know if it's the defensive coordinator's idea or just their personal execution of play calls. But, like, a perfect example is I'm watching some of the games and getting ready for this preview show. I'm watching where they're off the wide receivers by multiple yards on third down, right? That's not a smart idea. You look at the way the Bills played the Chiefs. You want to hold down a high-powered passing attack, you've got to be physical with the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. They're so ingrained in this concept of playing off coverage. I mean, their defensive coordinator has been quoted in multiple post games, citing a lack of communication is a big part of the issue. I mean, when you're going up against teams that you play three-man, four, you know, three and four wide receiver sets as often as teams like the Bills do, you're using bunch coverages and things like that. You can't easily man up or bump the players associated with the formation. And the cornerbacks have to be aware of who's responsible for what when everybody breaks out into the routes. The problem is, is that nobody's picking up on that for, for them. They're, it's like they're playing in space, but they're not cut out to be playing in space, or at least in this scheme, they haven't figured it out yet. So they're, they're having these monumental breakdowns on almost a weekly basis. The crazy thing is that outside of that, they're a terrific red zone defense. And in drives, when they make opposing offenses operate with, without a short field because their offense turned the ball over, or they, or they make them under dry, undertake drives that are less than six plays. You know, when they give up one of these drives, it's just, hey, we ran three plays and then hucked a 58-yard bomb for a touchdown. You take those two things out of the equation, the Titans are averaging less than one, one and a half touchdowns per game allowed. So they have the bones of a team that could be stiff on defense. It just hasn't showed up on the scoreboard. 
and that's going to be a problem, right? Like this concept that you struggle to keep the lid on offenses with real talented playmakers and quarterbacks at their disposal. That doesn't bode well for you if you're playing a team like Buffalo, does it? Now we're going to steamroll these assholes. So that brings us to our keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. First of all, it's going to be penetration by the defensive ends and A.J. Klein. When Tennessee is on offense, they're going to work really, really hard to get Henry out on the edges of the defense against our, our defensive backs and just safeties and smaller players that Derrick Henry can give the Josh Norman treatment to. Chris, we just talked about Levi Wallace struggling with physicality last week. Is that, that That's a nightmare scenario for him. Yeah, you're going to... It's like the only way to uh, go after Henry is if he's coming at you, you got to attack him like uh, a Lattimore, that South Carolina running back. Remember that injury? Oh, Jesus. Against Tennessee. You stop that. That's gross. I still remember all of his knee injuries. He tore both of his ACLs. Yeah, that or... Uh, oh, that bastard. That or uh, like a Willis McGahee type knee, knee shot. God. That's what we'll have to do to, to keep... Yeah, but you know what the problem is? The man squats and deadlifts hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You run into that leg. Chris, it's like, like you don't have any concept of this because you never played football. Have you ever run... What's the most solid object you think you've ever physically run into while moving quickly? You? <laughs> yeah. So imagine that. Imagine if... if it's I'm, solid yet flabby. If I'm capable of knocking you down, can you imagine what that thing moving full speed at you would be like. Yeah. You running into the leg or in the area of Derrick Henry, that's the wood chipper, my friend. Yeah. You put your face too close to that. Don't stand on the tracks when the train's coming through. It's the scariest thing. Like, ever since I got rocked by that kid at Mississippi State, like, I'll never, like, and he was just a backup special teams linebacker. Like, I... <laughs> I now know what a real, real hit feels like from a man, and that's not even an NFL caliber one. I can't imagine what it would feel like trying to tackle that. It, it must be like getting hit by a car. In order to disrupt that, you're going to want to see your defensive ends getting penetration on those long-developing stretch runs and counters. Because while it's really hard to bring Derrick Henry down when he gets into space and has a full head of steam, if you can get guys into the backfield to slow him down, make him change direction, make him hesitate... It's at least going to buy time for the rest, of the rest of the defense to just diagnose the play and rally tackle and minimize the number of explosive runs that he has. I expect to see a lot of Rousseau, Obata. I think that they're going to be very valuable in this regard. I even look to see a Boogie Basham game, right? With his size against defensive def, uh, offensive tackles, I'd like to see him put out there a little bit to help stabilize the edge and give his linebackers a chance to get behind the line of scrimmage. And I think that Rousseau and Obata's natural length gives them an advantage when it comes to not just being strong at setting the edge, but also in getting past it to disrupt those rushing lanes. For us, it's going to be rushing between the tackles. Last week, it was a mismatch with the players in the center of the Chiefs' defense, and the Bills did they took care of business in that regard with some really explosive results. Considering that that's already a weakness of the Titans linebackers, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked, right, to see their defense cook up one of two answers. In fact, their secondary as a whole. Like, we're talking about these explosive plays they give up. How do you stop an offense that can throw down? I mean, what, what Josh Allen had 219 yards and seven completions at one point during that Sunday game? Sounds about right. 
Okay. You've got a couple options as to how do you how you combat that if you're a defensive coordinator. The first one is you blitz the house and you blitz with the secondary to try to keep Allen from having time to beat you deep. Or you play more quarters coverage and cover four or, God forbid, man coverage to limit our ability to get over the top on you. All of those styles of play can be undone with a strong rush up the middle. Considering that the, the middle linebacker area is essentially being manned by one singular player. I mean, former Alabama guy, Rashawn Evans, he's good. He's a good middle linebacker. I'd say he's solid. I don't think he holds a candle to Tremaine Edmonds. I don't think he holds a candle to most of the upper echelon middle linebackers in the NFL. He's not a guy who scares an opposing offensive coordinator. Last week against the Chiefs, the Bills were incredibly efficient in this regard, and with his yards after the catch, Moss could have a particularly solid day here. I want to see us get the center rushing, you know, between the tackles rushing game going early in this game because it's going to punish them for trying to respect the pass. And because you'd be stupid not to give it respect, right? Yeah. I think this is where they can make hay, suck those linebackers back down towards the line of scrimmage, remind them, hey, you still have to play football. You can't just stand around right here and flag down passing lanes. You have to come downhill and try to make a play. And if not, we've got a guy named Zach Moss who wants to hit you. Business decision. Business decisions. I think that that would go a long way towards cementing this victory for Buffalo. I think another facet of this is that they need on offense to continue to feed those tertiary targets. This isn't one of those games where it's going to be all hands on deck for the Buffalo Bills trying to find ways to exploit a stingy defense, right? Yeah. They're leaky. They've had breakdowns. They know this. Tennessee is going to be trying to rein in our passing attack first and foremost. And unlike last year, they're not nearly as deep in the secondary as a lot of the teams we've already faced this year. I mean... When teams zig, you zag. And the Bills have done that to great effect with Dawson Knox, Sanders, and uh, Zach Moss. When they put Jenkins on Diggs, which is coming, I'm putting it, I'd put a Seagram's on it right now, that Jenkins is matched up against Stephon Diggs most of the day. Sanders is going to have Chris Jackson, Christian Fulton, and rookie Elijah Molden to contend with. I like that matchup when you look, and then you just think about who we have beyond Sanders. You look at this, Fulton, Christian Fulton, only allowing 39% completion percentage, but has the second most yards allowed on the whole team when guys do catch the ball at 191 yards, 62 yards after the catch, and two touchdowns. He's actually a cardinal reason that when things go wrong, they go wrong big. Jackson Molden, they're both allowing more than an 80% completion rate, double-digit yards per reception, and neither has a pass breakup, which means they're just out there. Neither one of them are ball hawks. Neither one of them are attacking the football in the air. With the size and physicality of the rest of our tertiary elements, Knox specifically, but also Gabe Davis, I think we can make hay when we need to by attacking those areas while working Davis and Diggs on deep patterns waiting for the inevitable breakdown in coverage. I have a last thought here. You know, I teased it at the beginning of the show. I talked about, Chris, we don't have a Tennessee correspondent. I think a lot of that stems from the fact that they don't have a ton of good content creators, or at least I haven't found any. If you know good Tennessee content creators, let them, let's don't. have them. Give them to us. Or uh, don't. Yeah. Or don't, because I want to fucking talk to them. 
I'll be, I'll be frank. I hate the Titans. I just do. In my life, I've learned a lot about forgiveness, or at least how to achieve this state of true indifference to things. I mean, in fact, some people might say I've gone too far in that direction. To a point where there's a lot of things I'm just numb to emotionally. I mean, Chris, we joke all the time about how we're dead inside. But how close to that is actually the truth? How emotional do you get about anything? Not a lot of things. Not a lot of things. I just don't feel as much as I used to. <laughs> and that's both. It's a double-edged sword, for sure. I mean, it's, had, it's forced some interesting conversations with my wife. Uh, it's it's befuddled my family. It's but it also makes life easier to deal with when you just decide to stop feeling things. In fact, I think you might be worse than me in this regard. What having being dead inside? Yeah, probably. Probably. I've lived through some things, and yet playing this football team and see, it, it starts with that stupid logo. First of all, a flaming letter T. I'm sorry. What what is that? What is that? What is it supposed to be symbolic or indicative of? And it used to be a sword, like a giant sword that was shaped like a T. What is that indicative of? What's your identity? Well, if they wanted to spruce it up, they'd keep the flame, but replace the T with actual Mr. T. <laughs> and have that as their logo. Then you might be considered to be cool. Tell you what, Sherman's March to the Ocean, I'll show them a flaming T. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did I just say that on a football podcast? You did. Damn it. Sorry. For those of you in the South, I'm sure that this is a sore subject. I'm just, I, you don't understand. Just seeing that logo, these colors, this team, it takes me back to being 13 years old. Outside with no, no jacket on, hot, angry tears in my eyes. Just seething while shooting rocks off the side of our house with a hockey stick. Because the goddamn Tennessee Titans screwed us out of a playoff win. And even though everyone who saw it knew it was wrong, it's been scientifically proven that it was a forward pass. And the league let it happen to us anyway. <laughs> I, I know that like, like it takes me back to that moment. And you all laugh when you've heard me over the years say that that game, well, not my first personal loss by any stretch, was one of my first in introductions to this concept that life isn't fair, even when it could and arguably should be. And I'm not trying to be dramatic when I say this, but that game stole a piece of me that I'm never going to get back. <laughs> it, it's gone. The anger that I still have over that moment in time for that franchise and that mustachioed idiot who used to run that football team probably won't ever be truly satisfied. But the Buffalo Bills putting the boots to this team on primetime TV in front of the whole country would go a long way towards satisfying a little bit of that bloodlust. And I can't wait for it. Chris, here's the hoping the Bills can put one together for me. <sighs> Make sure you tune in for this week's AFC East Roundup. We're going to be talking about just how far into the abyss the rest of the division is falling. And if you're petty like us, it's going to be a great conversation. But we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Week 6 Preview. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.